Hello and welcome back to Zeroing In, Grosvenor Britain and Ireland's sustainability podcast. I'm James Manning, Senior Transformation Manager at Grosvenor. This month, we are celebrating the launch of our Net Zero Carbon Update Report. In this podcast, we're doing a two-part special where we'll be speaking with two of our partners about sustainability, carbon, and how we need to work together as businesses and individuals to achieve a more sustainable future. Part one, which is this episode, sees us speak with one of our occupiers, Dalesford Organic, about their journey to sustainability, how Grosvenor has been working to support them, and what other businesses can learn in their own pursuit to becoming more sustainable. However, before we get going with Dalesford, a little bit about our our Carbon Pathway Report. Back in 2020, Grosvenor Britain and Ireland launched a net zero carbon pathway called Think Zero, where we set an ambitious route to net zero and beyond, validated by climate science through the science-based target initiative, which is actually something we will touch more on in the second part of these special podcast episodes with Multiplex, one of our contractors. Since then, we have published our first update report out in October, outlining our progress during the turbulent background of the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as what we're doing in the future to reduce our carbon emissions. Joining us is their Head of Sustainability, Will Dennis. Hi, Will, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, James. Hi, Alex. Thank you very much for having me. So, Alex, you want to kick off with the first question? Yeah. It would be really good to have an overview just in terms of what you're currently doing to be a sustainable business. Um, and to reduce your impact on the planet? So our company tagline is working with nature and as such sustainability is at the heart of pretty much everything that we do, every business decision we make and most importantly it always has been at the heart of everything that we do. We are very proud that we've got two organic farms, one in the Cotswolds and one up in Staffordshire and our own organic abattoir as well so we get a huge amount of control over our supply chain and obviously the transparency that comes with that. Our main focus is organic as the brand name suggests, which means that we are looking at extraordinarily high levels of animal welfare, looking after customers' well-being as well, providing very high quality food, and most importantly, practicing a form of regenerative farming, which, as we all know, is going to be one of the keys to helping with the climate crisis. We are encouraging our customers to eat less, but better, especially when it comes to things like meat. We are unashamedly selling our own organic meat, but encouraging customers that they don't need to give up on some of the better things in life, but they can get better quality and have it less often. You mentioned regenerative farming. Yeah. What is that and and what What does that entail? (laughs) I mean, there's a number of different practices that could be classed as regenerative farming. Essentially, it's a form of taking the land and and, and making it better in, in real lay terms, whether that's through the principles of organic in terms of crop rotation and not putting any uh, chemicals onto the soil, all the way through to using cover cropping so that you're preventing soil erosion or using multiple different types of crops to resist bacteria and have natural pesticides. So there's a, there's a huge number of things that can be included within that and an organic sort of sits alongside it in terms of practice. Amazing. And I guess that's more than just reducing your impact. You're actually trying to have a positive impact, I guess, on the environment and, and all the places that you farm. Is that right? Absolutely. And, and it's, um, it's a tricky one because sustainability as a word means keeping something the same, whereas regenerative is is taking something and improving it. And I think that's the the, the key part of, of what we do is, is doing everything in order to make the planet a better place and not just maintain it the way that we found it, but actually leave it in a in a better place than it was when we when we got there. And just thinking about regenerative and making improvements, how do you 
go about, say, knowing that you've made an improvement in terms of, say, measuring this or, say, thinking about your carbon footprint between your various parts of the farm, the store, the cafe business? We've started, or rather, we're coming to the end of the process of doing a full corporate accounting project. So going from pre-farm gates of everything that happens on the farm, all the way through to putting product onto shelf. It's a very long task. It's certainly a labour of love, and you've got to be in it for the right reasons. And, and the, the process of collecting the data is, is fairly complex, especially if you're a, an established business like us. Essentially, what we're looking to do is work out exactly what our carbon footprint is from start to finish, from cradle to grave for all of our products with the aim to then set some fairly punchy reduction targets, which will then get rolled out across the business, both up at the farm and in our farm shops. The idea being that we want to be able to say that we are taking action, but most importantly, action that's been backed by data rather than just tackling things that it seems it seems right to tackle without having any any backing to it. We also try wherever we can to, to reduce waste and, and food waste, especially for us, is our number one priority to eliminate it from our business. We use zero to landfill waste supplies, as, as everyone should do at this stage. And it was great to listen to your podcast with Bruce, because we work with First Mile to help us do that in Pimlico. But most importantly, we see food waste as surplus, especially if it's edible, rather than an actual waste product. Seeing it as an opportunity just gives it a huge amount of extra possibility. So particularly in the farm shops, we use the surplus from the retail areas to create specials in our cafes for the following day. Anything that we think we can't um, move into the specials, we offer on Too Good To Go, which is a fantastic customer app where customers can come in and, and buy it from us. Uh, and then anything that is left when we close the doors will be collected by our charity partners, the Felix Project, who are a wonderful charity who distribute that food to all manner of people and food banks and, and charities across London. It's so interesting to hear you talk about that. And you clearly aren't just trying to use one solution to solve, not you don't call it food waste, I guess you guys, but your food surplus. Mm -hmm. um, you're using a lot of different channels. Is that an approach you've actively tried to undertake or is it sort of emerged over time that you've sort of found these different solutions that all work together? It's definitely something that's been there since since the start. I think it's a, I, I mean, it was very interesting, again, with your podcast with Libby from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, talking about waste as a human thing, a human byproduct. The, the reality of organic farming is it's not just about the, the practice, it's about the ethos and treating anything that comes off the land with the amount of value based on what went into it in the first place. And one of the things, when you start putting value on food and connecting with where your food comes from, you very quickly realise that, that waste is just an abhorrent idea. It, it just can't be accepted. It starts off not as a, a waste reduction story, but as in a getting the maximum amount of value out of everything that you possibly can story. And I know you mentioned Bert Marley, who's someone that Grosvenor works with a lot across Mayfair and Belgravia. I was just wondering, have we been able to support you in achieving these goals in sustainability in any other ways? Yes, yeah, so I think we've had a really good relationship with Grosvenor, certainly in the five years that I've been with the company, usually through the property managers. To be, to be fair, it hasn't been much beyond that, but certainly over the last year, it, it suddenly escalated because we've had the introduction of the Grosvenor Green Goals, which have been embedded in our lease now. It just happened that we sort of renewed at the same time that they were arriving in that Perfect time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's that's brought about some really genuinely interesting discussions 
largely with the lawyers sort of trying to understand the, the nuances in each different business. You know, we are a very complex food and hospitality business. It's not just like a, potentially one of our neighbours who may not have existing contracts to think about or multiple chains who we have to think about in terms of uh, linking all of our contracts together with waste providers and energy providers. But it spurred a, a great conversation on how we can work better together. So we've both committed as part of this agreement to improve the energy rating of our property and sharing data on energy and waste. And then we're really excited to work with Grosvenor to contribute towards an estate-wide strategy and help towards the net zero goals. And then we've also got sideline activities. We had the forecourt greening project down Pimlico Road, which we got heavily involved in. Uh, we're very lucky to have a small park outside where we can replicate a, a mini aspect of our farm. And, and, and that was a great project. But then also things like the sustainability awards, as you mentioned, is a, is a fantastic way to champion best practice across the estate. I think that's definitely something we're recognising. It's great to hear that there's been a real positive drive and acceleration in the last year or so. I do think making sure that we as an organisation, as a landlord, understand and are aware of some of the fantastic work that's going on across Mayfair and Belgravia. There's a lot of you guys out there who have been doing this for a very long period of time and it's really embedded in your business. The more we can celebrate that, learn from that, but also share that with other businesses and individuals across Mayfair and Belgravia, I think the better for everyone in my view. I think that's probably another challenge that we're seeing. I think people are very very happy to talk a lot around their successes, which is fantastic. But I do think there's some value in sharing lessons learned and what hasn't necessarily always gone right. There's a lot you can get, a lot of value you can get from failure for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm really glad you brought up this kind of concept of the support network being so crucial because, I mean, one thing it would be really exciting to know from you is what, say, in the context of a forum, what you might share with other businesses that were wanting to go further in terms of their own sustainability initiatives. And I suppose this, from what James just said, in terms of both the positives and maybe also anything negative. The biggest piece of advice I can give to any other business is to be realistic. Our business is is large, it's complex, and we're well established. I mean, we've been farming for over 45 years. We've had farm shops for, for nearly 20. And so the supply chains and the relationships with our suppliers are longstanding and, 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 and very far reaching. The reality of that is that we are not going to find it as easy as perhaps a, a brand new business to go and set things up from scratch in the way that they may be completely seen as being watertight from a sustainability angle. So the key for me is to focus on what you can do right now. And there are plenty of quick wins out there, whether that's just switching to renewable energy suppliers or responsible waste contractors, but most importantly, focus on getting the entire team engaged. So again, you're not going to be able to do this as one person in your organization. You need the buy-in from the entire team and you need to collaborate with them to collect the data, first of all, because if you do go down a certification, for example, there's a huge amount of data to collect and you have to have the full team behind you. My advice for people who want to start having a bit of a structure is to sign up for some free assessment uh, certifiers like B Corp or the Sustainable Restaurant Association for any other food businesses out there. They're free to sign up to and they give you a huge number of questions which you can start to answer. If you want to go as far as certifying with them, then fantastic. But the best part about them is you can use them to start creating a bit of a sustainability strategy, start to fill in some of the gaps that you discover in your business. It's not necessarily the most holistic way of doing a certification, but it's a great starting point for people who haven't done it before. And then once you've got that wish list put together and that forward strategy, you can then just go along, as I said, collecting that data. And as long as you're networking at the same time and getting involved in these forums and learning what other people are doing, you'll find it a really enjoyable process. 
That's fantastic, Will. That's some really good advice. I, I completely agree with you. I think really trying to be realistic, getting on with it now. But at the same time, if you're not sure where to start, I think it's amazing advice that basically look at B Corp, look at Stable Restaurant Association, look at Planet Mart. There's lots of things out there that cover all of this stuff. And you can use them almost like a checklist and you go through them and you can tick off the stuff you're already doing and actually understand, oh, I didn't realize that was even a thing I should be doing around sustainability and hopefully address that. I mean, you mentioned earlier around food waste is clearly something Dalesford is very passionate about. Is there any advice you'd give to businesses to help them discover their own sustainability issue that might be personal to them and really sort of focus their efforts? I think for us, we decided that it was well, as, as a food business, it's our it's our number one commodity. And it's the one thing that we control from the start of its life all the way through to, to handing it over to a customer. I think for every other business, it's about trying to work out what you have control over and, and where you can make the biggest impact. So you can go through lists and lists of, of items that you can change. But the reality is that very few of them will be in your control, especially if you're in a business within within London or if you're if you don't own you, the property that you're in. If you're lucky enough to have a landlord like Grosvenor, then perhaps there's a huge amount of support there, but there may not be. So find out what you think can make the most impact. So if you're a heavy energy user, then the most impact can probably be from from signing up to a to a renewable energy contract or starting to create your own energy if you're if you're lucky enough to be able to have the space to do that. If you've got customers, again, not everybody has a direct customer, then speak to the customers about what they expect you to be doing. And it may just be making things easier for them. Fantastic. More amazing nuggets. This <laughs> is really great stuff. Thanks, Will. Hopefully, hopefully there's a final nugget in store in that this is a question that we ask everyone who comes on our podcast. Mm-hmm. You probably know what it is by this point, but if you could ask people to do one thing to be more sustainable, what would it be? It's going to be the same answer as, as our main focus. It's got to be eliminating waste from your home and particularly food waste. I'm sure we all know by now that a third of the food that we buy in the UK just goes straight to the bin, which is ridiculous given how many people are going hungry every day. But most importantly, given the, the journey that that food has gone on, we're lucky enough, as I said, to have vision and personal relationships with our entire supply chain. And if I think more people were connected with the origin of their food and, and physically witnessed the amount of time effort and money that went into producing the food that they then buy putting any of that into the bin would just seem socially unacceptable so the, the advice for customers mainly or any of us that, that take food back into our house is buy less but buy better buy only what you need make meal plans cook in bulk it's far more relaxing later in the week if you've already got you know, your next four meals prepared use refills and reusables and then just consider whenever you're in the supermarket or any other shop consider exactly what you're going to do with the waste of that product. I think that's great. And I love the idea of trying to understand the value that comes with that food. Someone has spent time and effort to grow, cultivate, harvest, bring to the store this product, this item that you're going to consume, treat it with with a certain degree of respect and understand its value that sits behind it. I think that's fantastic. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Will, for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you check out part two of our podcast special, where James and Eve speak with multiplexed about their science-based target and how they are working to reduce their carbon emissions both as a business and in their supply chain.